Hello and welcome. I'm Dan Davis, senior pastor here at Hopefell, and so grateful that you have logged on and are joining us for worship this Sunday. Well, as you can tell, I'm not where I usually am, standing on stage in our worship auditorium in Saginaw. No, instead, I'm sitting at a desk in a makeshift studio in my own home. As a matter of fact, Pastor Billy, who will be joining us in a little bit, will be leading worship as well from his own home. Now, is this different? Definitely. But is this still church? Absolutely. It's what we've been saying for years, that church isn't so much a place to attend. No, it's a people to belong to and a savior to worship. And so that's what we're going to do today. We have some worship music that we'd love for you to sing along with. We'll have some times of prayer that you can join in on. And there will be a message that you can listen to and engage with. And then on top of that, there are a couple other elements of worship that we want you to share in that are not going to be part of this stream. First of all, I would encourage you to continue to worship the Lord through your giving. I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of this service. And then second, because this is the last Sunday of the month, we invite you to partake in communion in your own home. We have sent along a separate video that'll walk you through both the scriptures and the steps that are part of communion. So if you have some bread and some juice at home, go ahead and remember our Lord's death as part of your worship and as a way to stay grounded in the hope that is ours through Jesus Christ. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and begin the service. Bow our heads as we pray together. And Heavenly Father, we invite you uh, into our homes, into our church, into our lives as we come and worship and acknowledge you as our great King and the one worthy of all our praise. Lord, in these turbulent times, we look to you for hope. We look to you as the anchor for our souls, that even though the ground below us may feel like it's shifting, we are secure in your hands. And so as we celebrate all that is ours in Jesus, through song, through scripture, through prayer, through giving, through communion, through the message, may you speak to us by your Holy Spirit, the special words of joy and comfort and encouragement and perseverance that we need from you. So God, we are expectant that you're going to do great things in this service and in our lives. So we come open-handed, open-hearted to meet with you, our Savior, our King, and our Lord. This we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Welcome to the Petty's house, the Petty's home studio, petting my dog down here. Hey, uh, thanks for logging in today and joining us and being with us uh, in this weird time. Um, geez, I hope, uh, Amy and I both hope that you could just have a time that maybe just brings you peace right now, a time that um, maybe God can just speak into your life as we worship him for just a little while. So let's do that together as we've set this time aside to do that. Dawn. 
So um, this is certainly a wild time we're all in. Just certainly want to acknowledge that. And um, you know, I was talking with some friends last week about how we'll never know on this side of heaven why things like COVID-19 happen. And um, I don't know when we get to heaven uh, if it'll matter much anyway. But you know, the Bible talks about uh, how the sun will rise on the evil and the good and that the rain will fall on the just and the unjust. That just means uh, good and bad things are going to happen to good and bad people 
why, uh, we don't know. But I think there's an acceptance that I think we need to have according to the scriptures that way. Um, it's hard to say out loud because it's a really hard thing to do. Um, that said, let's be reminded of uh, God's goodness and God's glory from a couple of scriptures today. The first one I want to read to us is from Matthew 10, 29 through 31. It says this. This is about God's goodness and his provision. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Love that. Uh, and next, the next scripture, uh, let's be reminded of God's glory. Uh, his uh, glory to come and how it far exceeds our temporary trials. 2 Corinthians 4, 19 through 20 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. God's goodness and God's glory uh, should really fill our hearts at all times, but I think especially in times like these. So, you know, I don't, I don't often feel like I'm singing against something. I don't know, I'm not, maybe that's, I should be more spiritual or something. But I'm, I think now's a time that I feel like I do a little bit. Um, I feel like I'm summoning every power within me that's calling on God's power to fight this thing, to give us faith and courage and to empower us through the Holy Spirit to um, have, have faith and give us courage. Um, we're reminded in the Old Testament that the singers are the ones that led Israel into battle. So worshipers, we need your song. We need the strength of your song. We need... Uh, your hearts uh, to strengthen the power of our worship and our calling, uh, our, our calling out to God in these days. So let's allow the goodness and the glory of God that we just read about to fuel our worship in these days. And let's sing this next worship song together.
by the name of all names that nothing can stand against and I choose to i 
Lead me to the cross. I love that Billy and Amy just led us in that song as part of our worship today. It's obviously relevant for a communion Sunday, but it's also appropriate for any week, really, because it points our hearts upward to the incredible love that our Savior Jesus Christ has for us. As I mentioned in the beginning, if you feel led and you're able to, to take communion in your own home, now would be a good time to pause and to do that with the video that we've sent along to you. You know, I've been at Hopel for over 23 years now, and this is definitely the first time that I have ever preached a message from home, ever. And not only that, but this is also the very first time that I have ever preached without wearing pants. And I gotta tell you, it is absolutely exhilarating. I mean, unbelievable. As a matter of fact, even when this pandemic passes and we gather back together, and we will, I think I'm never going back. I feel free as a bird, gotta tell you. Well, now that I've planted that image in your mind, let's try to recover. Let's try to get back to the business at hand, and that's today's message. But before we go there, I realize we may have some visitors joining us, so let me touch on a couple things real quickly. First of all, thank you, welcome. So glad that you've logged on, you're joining us today. And then second, I think just to put everyone's minds at ease, I really am wearing pants, see? Plain old khakis, just like Jake from State Farm. So there's nothing to see here, people. Let's just move on and keep on going. Now that we've got that out of the way, here we go. Let's get to the message. 
Today, we are wrapping up our series for the month of March, five weeks talking about 31 days of prayer, where week by week, Pastor Sam and I have been going through the five essential attitudes and actions when it comes to prayer so that we can move past our hesitation, move past the intimidation and embrace God's invitation to come to him in prayer that we would ask, seek, knock and believe. It's how Jesus encouraged us to approach God in prayer, as we've seen in our theme passage for this series from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 7, where Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Ask, seek, knock, Jesus said. And why? Because when you do, amazing things will happen. They will. Why can we believe that? Verse 9, look at what Jesus says. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? None of us, Jesus infers with these rhetorical questions, right? We would never treat our sons and daughters that way. And so if that's how we behave to their requests, Then verse 11, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more in comparison, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more? See, if it's our desire to want the best for our children, to give them as much as we can, as long as it's in their best interest, then why shouldn't we believe that our God, our good and loving, perfect Heavenly Father, the one who has unrivaled power, the one who has unlimited resources, why wouldn't he want to do the same for us, right? Why wouldn't he? And so much more. Because the heart of of God towards us really is this heart of generosity. It really is. And so I encourage all of us to embrace the invitation to come to God in prayer, to ask, to seek, to knock, and believe. And with that as our foundation for prayer, from there then we need to incorporate the attitudes and the actions that we've covered so far in this series, right? First, the attitudes. I talked about these two attitudes of how we should approach God in prayer, that when you pray, be sincere and be reverent. Be sincere and be reverent. Like two wings of an airplane, we need to embrace this vision of God that he is both great and he is good. It's just like Jesus taught us to pray in what we now know as the Lord's Prayer. When he starts off with those words, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That our God is both our loving Heavenly Father and he is the Almighty Holy King. So when we pray, we need to be honestly sincere and absolutely reverent. And then these last couple of weeks, Pastor Sam has been talking about the actions when it comes to prayer. Out of the New Testament book of James, chapter 1, he taught us about these two prayer actions, that when we pray, we should be specific, not vague, and we should be expectant, not pessimistic. And personally, I got to tell you that Sam's message last week about being expectant in prayer really challenged me. Because as much as I hate to admit it, there are times when I hold back in prayer, either because maybe I lack the faith Or I'm afraid of being disappointed. I'm afraid of being disappointed. And so I won't be let down if I don't lift up, right? 
And that's why his bottom line from last week really cut me to the core. That praying confidently comes from trusting completely. Praying confidently, expectantly in our prayers comes from trusting God completely. So listen, especially in this season of such great uncertainty, we've got to make sure that our fears and our worries don't keep us from praying specifically and expectantly. So while our circumstances may have changed, God's power and God's generosity have not. Now, more than ever, we need to trust the Lord completely, that he's going to hear and he's going to answer our prayers. Well, as we wrap up our prayer series this week, we come to an age-old question about prayer, a question that everyone wrestles with, but no one talks about. And that's the question of why. Why? Why, God, are you not answering my prayer? I mean, after all, if there really is this open invitation for us to pray, and we're supposed to approach God with both sincerity and reverence and to the best of our ability, our words are specific, our hearts are expectant, then why are we not receiving when we ask? Why are we not finding when we seek? And why is the door not opening when we knock? I don't get it, God. I really don't. Unanswered prayer. We may not talk about it openly, but let's face it. It's something we all at times have struggled with. We have. And if there has ever been a moment in our lifetimes when we've so desperately wanted God to show up and we've genuinely wondered why he hasn't, it's now, right? That during this global COVID-19 pandemic, when people are dying, getting sick, losing job, feeling afraid. I mean, I know this might sound blasphemous, but if God's going to let all this happen, and it feels like our prayers aren't many, making any kind of difference in the world, then why should we even bother to pray in the first place? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, boy, I like that positive pants-off version of Pastor Dan so much better, right? Seriously, though, I think it's okay to ask questions like these, hard questions, difficult questions. It's just like what Pastor Sam leaned into last week when he talked about doubt. Listen, God is big enough to handle your questions, your most difficult questions. He is. As a matter of fact, if you've ever wrestled with questions like these, take heart. Because it just means you're human. It means like you're the rest of us, right? Just like the rest of us, you are. And not only that, it also means that you're not alone. You're not alone because actually people of faith, they've been asking these same kind of questions for centuries. They have, even during the time of Jesus, when the eternal Son of God lived among mankind as a fellow human being, as he performed countless, unbelievable, undeniable miracle after miracle after miracle. Even then, people wondered why God wasn't responding to their prayers, both in the ways and in the timing that they thought he should. Well, here's the best part. Jesus didn't pretend like these questions didn't exist. Not only that, but he took the initiative to address them head on, and he did so in a way that left people encouraged, not discouraged. So let's see what Jesus has to say about this dilemma of unanswered prayer and how we too can come away from his words feeling more encouraged to keep on praying, to keep on asking and seeking and knocking and believing. So today, uh, because you've got nowhere else to go, right? We're going to look at not one passage, but two different passages 
where Jesus addresses this one topic, and he does so from two slightly different yet complementary perspectives. And the way he does it is by telling us parables. Parables. Now, if you were with us for the opening message of this series about what it means to be sincere when we pray, you'll remember that I told you that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning where Jesus uses these ordinary examples from our world to explain extraordinary truths from his world. And so the first parable we're going to look at today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. Luke 18, verse 1. And what I love about this particular passage is that Luke tells us straight out of the blocks that the reason why Jesus taught us this parable in the first place, right? It's spelled out. Here's the reason Jesus taught this parable. So let's see what it says. Luke 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable. For what reason? Here it is. To show them that they should always pray and not give up. Always pray and not give up. See, what's great about this opening verse is that we're not always told the reason why Jesus taught certain parables. But here, there's no mystery whatsoever. No, his motivation in telling this story to us is that we should always pray and not give up. So here's the story. Verse 2. He said that in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. So we got two main characters here in Jesus's parable. We have a corrupt judge and a helpless widow. A corrupt judge and a helpless widow. And I got to tell you, when it comes to the ladder of social hierarchy back then, these two are as far as apart as you can get. That one has all the power and the other has no power whatsoever. This unbelievable gulf. And yet, here is this powerless widow with nobody else in her corner. And she keeps coming back to this judge day after day after day with this exact same request. Grant me justice against my adversary. Stop brushing me off. Stop taking bribes and finally do the right thing. That's what she kept asking for. So how does the judge respond? Verse four, for some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. (laughs) In other words, she finally wore down the judge because of her persistence. A persistence that was so bothersome, so fanatical, that this judge actually feared for his life. It's quite a story, really, where Jesus is talking about this crazy Jewish widow with nothing to lose, who finally gets what she wants in the end. Now, before we go any further, you need to know something else about parables, right? That parables are different than allegories. Parables are different than allegories, meaning that not everything in a parable is supposed to be symbolic of something else. So Jesus tells parables, right, to drive home profoundly a point or two about his kingdom. But that's all. And so we need to be careful about not reading more into the story than Jesus attends, right? 
Make sense? Let me show you what I mean. Verse 6. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God, right, compared to a judge, but he's not unjust like a judge, right? No. Will not God so much more bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Verse 8, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. God will do that. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? See, this is another one of those how much more parables, parable of comparison. Just like we saw at the beginning of the message in Matthew 7 with ask and seek and knock. In other words, that if a corrupt judge will respond to a persistent widow, even though he cares nothing about the details of her request, then how much more will our God, who cares so much more about our lives, and in, in particular, our situations of injustice, right? How much more will he listen to and respond to our prayers and our persistence? How much more? See, Jesus wants us to know that God can and God will. But this dangling question at the end of verse 8 puts the ball back in our court. Will he find faith on the earth? Will Jesus find this same kind of persistent faith in us? That is, God cares about these things, but do we? Do we we really care enough about our own concerns to keep on bringing them back to God? To keep on trusting and believing that God is going to answer our prayers in the best way possible and at the best time possible? It's like Luke says back in verse 1, do we have that kind of faith? that always prays and never gives up. That's parable number one. Now here comes parable number two, and it's found a little earlier in the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 11 begins in verse 5. And what's interesting about this parable is that it comes right after Jesus teaches his disciples the Lord's Prayer in response to their requests. That's Luke 11, verses 1 to 4. But then right after that, Jesus stays on the theme of prayer. And he launches into another parable to encourage persistence in prayer. Luke 11, verse 5. Let's take a look. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three rolls of toilet paper. Sorry, just trying to be relevant here. Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey, has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. So we're given the setting of the story here. And it's taking place in a day and age that's very different than ours. First, there's no 24-mile ride around the corner where you can drive up and pick up a loaf of bread. There's no Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats, nothing. And then second, you've got first century Middle Eastern culture. One that took hospitality very seriously. Very seriously, where one social faux pas, one slip up in etiquette, and this person, actually this whole town, would have wound up with a reputation of being rude and unwelcoming. That's why he needed the bread. Verse 7. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. Hold on to that. Already locked. And my children and I are in bed and I can't get up and give you anything. Again, we're not talking 21st century America. Seven bedrooms, six bath, three car garage homes. No, we're talking about a very small, very modest dwelling 
where everyone slept in the same room, where getting up once you're settled in and the door is locked, where that was a major hassle. Verse 8, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. The friendship is one thing, but the persistence is another. This expression here, shameless audacity, is the translation of a unique word found nowhere else in Scripture. It's as if Jesus wanted to dig deep and to reach far to come up with some kind of expression that would communicate this vision of passion, persistence, and even desperation. So that's the parable. That's the parable. What's the heavenly point of this earthly story? What's Jesus want us to get from this? Well, look at what he says after. It should sound familiar. Verse 9, so I say to you, here's the point. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Look at this. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. That in the context of teaching us about being persistent in prayer, Jesus tells us to ask, seek, knock, and believe. And not just to do so as a one-time action, but rather as an ongoing practice. To keep on asking and seeking and knocking and believing that we should always pray and not give up. So, when it comes to our actions in prayer, we should be specific. We should be expectant. But then we should also be persistent. Be persistent. Just like that helpless widow. Just like that desperate friend at midnight. And this idea of being persistent in prayer is really important for us to grasp. Because while it might not solve all the unknown mysteries of unanswered prayer, it does help to enlighten our understanding. And it does help to encourage our endurance when we pray. See, let me explain It's important that we understand that there aren't just two different ways that God answers us in prayer, but three. Three. There's yes, there's no, but then there's also not now. Not now. We do this as parents, right? I know I did this with our kids, where they were asking me or even nagging me about something. I'd even say these words. If you need to have an answer right this second, then the answer is no. The answer is no. Now, that didn't mean that that wasn't my final and forever answer. No, it just meant that for me as a parent who is factoring in a gazillion other things that they couldn't grasp as young children, I knew that an on-the-spot, right-away yes wasn't best for them or anyone else in the long run. Yet as a parent, I also wanted them to know that I still love them. I wanted them to know that I still wanted to provide for them. And I did not want my no, not right away answer to discourage them from ever asking me anything again. And so if that's me, in my limited power and wisdom and provision as a dad, then how much more should we expect the Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, to treat us in the exact same way? And so much more. See, a huge part of prayer is truly believing that the way God answers our prayers and the when God answers our prayers are always for our best. Always. Well, 
as I begin to wind down, I feel like I need to address one last question that might be on your minds when it comes to prayer. And it goes something like this, that if God's going to do what God's going to do, then why bother praying? If God's going to do what God's going to do, then why bother praying? Why should I persist in prayer if it feels like it's not going to make any difference? Well, prayer does make a difference. And it does in more ways than one. So as you think about persisting in prayer, I want to encourage you with these three final prayers. Here's the first. That persisting in prayer, we need to keep praying. God, change the circumstances. God, change the circumstances. See, this is the theme of most of the prayers we pray, and that's okay. That if we're sick, we want to get well. That if we're in need, we want to have more. That if we're lonely, we want a friend. That if we're confused, we need direction. There is nothing wrong with asking God for things like these, as long as we don't treat him like a genie in a magic lamp where his sole existence is to grant us our wishes. But listen, God is your heavenly father. And he is the one with unrivaled power and unlimited resources. He's the one who loves you more than you could ever imagine. So don't ever stop asking and seeking and knocking and believing. God, I need your help. Change the circumstances, right? That's a prayer we pray as we persist. And yet, as you persist in prayer, as you wait on God for an answer, you should also pray this, God, mature my character. Mature my character. See, maybe the reason God isn't answering your prayer right away is that he's trying to grow you as a Christian. He's trying to increase your dependence upon him. And he's trying to make you more loving, more compassionate toward other people instead of keeping you stuck in your own self-centeredness. Or maybe he's trying to refine your desires so that you would long for the things that really matter most. See, sometimes God's no, or is not now, is him really saving us from ourselves. I mean, we don't want to admit it, but if God really did answer right away every single thing we ever asked him for, our lives would be a selfish mess. I know mine would. And I know this life can be hard. And I don't pretend to understand why God allows us to experience the kind of suffering we go through, including this incredibly difficult season. But I do know this, that God is able to take all that and he's able to use it and redeem it for our good. He can and he will. Look at these words from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament book of Romans, chapter 5. This is the end of verse 2. He writes this, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Hope. Not only that, but we also glory in our sufferings. What an unusual thing to say. We glory in our sufferings. Why? Well, because God can use our sufferings, right? Because we know that suffering produces what? There's our word. Sufferings produces perseverance. Perseverance, as that is built into our lives, produces character, spiritual maturity. And that character, in turn, deepens our hope. And hope does not put us to shame in the end. Why? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. No matter the circumstances, God is always at work in our lives. Always. And it is through his 
mighty power that he is able to take bad things, harmful things, evil things, and redeem them for our good. And part of that good is to grow and mature our character and to deepen our hope in Jesus, right? God, change the circumstances. God, mature my character. And then finally, God, fulfill your purposes. Fulfill your purposes. This, in essence, is the heart of Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night before his crucifixion. When staring in the face of unspeakable suffering, Jesus prays to his heavenly Father to take away the horror of the cross. My Father, Matthew records, if it is possible, may this cup, this cup of your righteous wrath and judgment, may it be taken from me. In other words, Jesus prayed, change the circumstances. Change the, and he prayed that more than once. But then he didn't stop there because at the end, in surrender and in trust, he also uttered these words, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, God, as you will. And so our God in his perfect wisdom, in his unfailing love, he may not always answer the prayer to change our circumstances. But he does promise always to be with us in our circumstances. Always. And not only that, but even in the midst of the worst possible situations we could ever face, even like the ones we're going through right now, his purposes will always prevail in the end. Always. That's why we have hope in Jesus. So God, change the circumstances. And as I wait, mature my character. And as I wait, fulfill your purposes. Well, it's hard to believe that we've come to the end of our 31 Days of Prayer series. And while that might feel sad, I've got some good news for you. That even though the series is ending, the prayer is going to keep on going. It's going to keep on going. So here at Hofel, we want to build upon this spirit of prayer that God has providentially led us into this March. One of the ways we're going to do that is by continuing to pray for each other, to pray for our friends, our families, our neighbors, to pray for our community, and to pray for our world. Now, if you've been on our mobile app, you might have seen pictures taken from the prayer walls, prayer walls we had up in Saginaw. We had pictures of specific prayers written earlier this month when we met in person for those first two Sundays in March. Well, we are going to take the concept of a physical prayer wall and make it virtual. We've created an email address that you can send your prayer requests to, right? Where, again, we want to share prayer as a church family. You can also reach us on Facebook. You can do that through the phone at our church office, right? Where you can share a confidential prayer request with us as a staff, with us as a church. Also, if you want others to join you, you can. On top of that, of course, we want you to continue to pray with the groups that you're already in, and we want to open up the gates because we have existing prayer groups and we'd love for you to get on board with that. The series may be over, but this season of prayer, it's going to continue on because we believe in a God who hears and answers our prayers. So let's be the kind of church that takes Jesus at his word, right? Let's be the kind of church that keeps on asking and seeking, and knocking, and believing. So, when you pray, be sincere, be reverent, 
Be specific, be expectant, and be persistent. Let's keep on praying and never give up. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. God, thank you for this journey of prayer through the month of March. And as I've shared before, it is unbelievable that when we kicked off this series on Sunday, March 1st, we had no idea what was in store for us over these next several weeks. And yet you did. You did. And that's why you led us into this season of prayer and you providentially arranged the circumstances so that our hearts would be drawn to you and drawn to each other, where we would embrace the invitation to ask, to seek, to knock, and believe, to overcome our hesitation, to overcome our intimidation, and to embrace your invitation to pray. God, I thank you, because I really believe you have raised the prayer temperature in our church and in our lives. And so we don't want to stop. We want to be the kind of people who are continuing to pray. God, these days we have a lot of change the circumstances kind of prayers. We're not going to give up on those. God, would you stop the virus? God, would you protect the sick, the weak, the elderly, the vulnerable? God, would you be with the frontline medical providers who are putting their lives at risk in our own community, in our state, in this country, and around the world? God, that you would use them as your instruments of hope and healing. And God, in this time, would your peace descend upon your church, that our hearts would be rooted not in the circumstances, but in the Savior. God, would you take this series of prayer and turn it into a spirit of prayer that goes well beyond the month of March. God, our prayers are especially with those who just need a touch from you, for those who need an outpouring of your peace. And so we join in prayer for the fearful, the worried, and the anxious among us, that Jesus, you would be their Prince of Peace. And Jesus, you would speak those words of hope that it is well. We trust, we believe, we pray in the one and only Lord and Savior our God, Jesus Christ.
Well, I want to thank you for joining us this Sunday, and we want you to stay connected with us throughout the week. We've got a lot going on that we're doing through our website. We're doing through our Hopevel mobile app. If you don't have that, you just text the word Hopevel to 77977, and we're doing a lot through our social media channels too. As a matter of fact, I'll be reaching out midweek through Facebook Live Wednesday at 6 p.m. and share a message with you there as well. I also want to thank those of you who are continuing to give to the Lord through the ministry of Hopel during this season of uncertainty. And again, if you feel led to give, you can do so multiple ways. You can give through our website, hopel.org give. You can give through our mobile app. You can mail it to our church offices in Saginaw, or you can drop it off at our ministry center as well in Saginaw. Next week, we will gather together again virtually on Palm Sunday as we begin our journey through Holy Week to the cross and to the empty tomb. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. But for now, this is Pastor Dan signing off. May God bless you as you head into your week. Stay healthy and be hopeful.